<coughs> Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast today is sponsored by grandparents Penny and Mara's Dweck in celebration of the birth of their newborn granddaughter, Emuna, Emma Bibi, to Lauren and Jonah. Breakfast is in sponsored loving memory of Abraham Megedish, Alava Shalom, Lilu Nishmat Abraham Menhuta, sponsored by his sister Tamar Megedish. Breakfast is also sponsored by our serial uh, sponsor of Rosh Chodesh breakfasts, Hazak Baruch Yaakov Shirazi, on the occasion of Rosh Chodesh, Iyar, Laslacha, Bakol, Mikol Kol, for success in everything. Rabutai, breakfast also is sponsored by Victor Chira in loving memory of his father, Raymond Chira, Alava Shalom. Lilu Nishmara, Hamim Ben Salha. I think that's from Shabbat. We'll give it anyway. All right. Rabutai. <coughs> Daber el kol adat bnei Israel. Speak to all the Jewish people. Ve'amartalehem and say to them, Kedoshim tihiyu, you shall be holy. Ki kadosh ani, because I am holy. God demands that we are not just fulfillers of mitzvot, but rather that we are holy. And I, I must stress this point. For so many of us, we understand that the purpose of Judaism is fulfilling mitzvot when actually the purpose of Judaism is becoming something through fulfilling mitzvot. What are you supposed to be? I want you to be a kingdom of priests and a nation that is holy. Through the mitzvot, people become holy. But instead of getting caught up in the deed, a lot of times we forget that it's not the deed that is as important as the creed. Rabotai, I want to share with you something powerful. The Gemara relates a story in Abu Dazara of a man whose name was Unculus. We're all familiar with him because he occupies real estate on the page of every Chumash. Targum Unculus, you see right there on the left, down the side. To us, maybe it doesn't help so much because it takes a language that maybe we know not moderately well and translates it to us into a language we know even less well, into Aramaic. But at the time when the people spoke English, Unculus was the original art scroll, right? He killed it. I'm sure there was the most popular book at the time when it came out was Unculus's translation because that was the language the people spoke. So he was, and this is fascinating to note, he was from a royal bloodline. His uncle was the Roman Caesar. He decides one day that he wants to convert to Judaism. And he starts studying and learning, and eventually his uncle has had enough with these shenanigans, and he sends a, uh, a group of soldiers to go bring him back. The Gemara says <clears throat> that Mashchinu Bikra'i, he drew them close Bikra'i with the Pesukim. Now, that's, I mean, that's never happened to me. I give a lot of classes. And sometimes you have Goyim that attend the class. It's never happened to me that right after the class, the person says to me, you know, Rabbi, I've decided to convert. <laughs> I said, oh, really? What was it? What got you? And the guy says, it wasn't this. It wasn't this hidush. It wasn't this gemara. It wasn't the story. It wasn't the lesson. It was when you said, Vayidaber Amunai El Moshe Lemo. I don't know. I suddenly, I felt like I switched on alive. I had to convert all of a sudden. I didn't know what to do. Mashchinu Bikra'i. What does that mean? He read some Pizukim and the guy wanted to become Jewish? He knew where they were coming from. Mashallah. <laughs> Mashallah. Could you imagine if we had half of the impact of Unculus? 
If only when we read the Pesukim, people would just be quiet, never mind converting. <laughs> converting, right? So what's going on over here? How did that happen? So I read something unbelievable. <clears throat> they explained that the impact that Uncle has had on these soldiers, they explained it using the Gemara and Berachot. The Gemara and Berachot says, Amar Rabuna. Rabuna used to teach. A person who has Yirat Shamaim in him, Devarav Nishmaim. His words are heard. Now, we've already described that there are two words in the Hebrew language that speak towards the idea of taking something in in an auditory way. One is to hear, and one is to listen. Vayishmayitro doesn't mean that he heard. It means that Yitro listened. The difference between the two is that there's a, when there's a focused attention brought to bear in listening. So as an example, someone's talking to you and they say, you're not listening to me. They don't mean that you didn't hear what they said. They mean that you're not paying attention closely enough to the words that are coming out of their mouth. Rabotai, who has divarav nishma'in? Whose words are heard? You could be the most eloquent speaker in the whole world. But if you don't have your shamayim, then although you people are listening, and you might even have lots of people listening, right? Still, the words don't penetrate. Yirat shamayim is the key to allow the words to penetrate. So when Ugulis even just reads a pasuk, people are ready, ready to convert. So I saw an amazing situation, amazing story. Really drove this message home. Rabbi Rafael Baruch Toledanu was one of the greats uh, out of Morocco. And in Morocco, including my father-in-law, by the way, many of the young Jewish boys, they didn't have a yeshiva, they didn't have Torah learning on a level that was strong enough. So at the time, there were a lot of rabbis that came to Morocco, and they were talking to these parents. They said, look, you know, your son, if he's here, he's going to be Amar, it's not going to know how to be Jewish, what it means, not going to know how to know any Torah. Maybe you should send your son. And these boys, they went to Israel, they went to the Mir Yeshiva in New York, they had no parents, no connections, but their parents would take them. My wife's grandmother, she brought her, fa- her father to the boat and with tears crying, she didn't know if she'd ever see him again. But it was so important for them, they were like risking their lives. It was misirut nefesh, because they knew that this was how their, their children would become Talmidei Chachamim. She sent them to study in Sunderland in England. Rabotai, listen to this, and I, I hope this resonates with you in the way that it does, did with me. They came to Rabbi Toledano in Morocco and they said to him, Rabbi, there's only one school. It's, you know, it's a, it's a city school, but they're educating the kids to hate and to reject their own Jewish traditions. We have to make a school that's run according to the Jewish traditions and heritage and spirit, and it's so important. But in order to do so, Rabbi, we need you to travel from Meknes to Casablanca, where they had a very wealthy community, and we need you to pitch the case to the wealthy people of Casablanca. It's very far. The rabbi agrees. He says, you know what? I'm going to come Saturday night. I'll get on the train. I'll travel through the night from Meknes. I'll get there in the morning. I'll pray Shaharit. And after I pray Shaharit in the morning, we'll have the, the meeting. They're overjoyed. They're so happy. But you know what? Like they say, God, man plans and God laughs. The Shabbat he's supposed to travel Rabbi Toledano comes with a fever of 105. He is about to pass out. He can't even go to shul. 
and the family is sure that the rabbi is not going to cancel the trip. 11 p.m. Saturday night, the rabbi says, you know what? However sick I am, this is the future of the Jewish boys and girls of Morocco. I've got to go. He pulls himself out of bed. He's falling apart. He gets to the train right as the train's about to leave. But Hazit, as he gets on the train, he realizes that every single seat on the train is taken. He's sick. He's got the fever. There's no place to sit. It's a long journey. The rabbi decides, I'm not getting off this train. I'm not, I'm not going to not go to Casablanca. He sits on the stairs of the train, in between the trains, all night, burning from fever, holding on, praying he doesn't fall off the, tr- the stairs onto the tracks. Risks his life for this. He gets to Casablanca. He prays. They don't know that he's sick. They don't know what he's undergone. They call the meeting, and he pours his heart out to them. And the people say, listen, Rabbi, I hear what you're saying, but it's a fortune of money to start a school. All the boys and girls that want a Jewish education are leaving the country anyway. So what difference does it make for three, four, five months, you know, to put up a school and any way they're going to be going in the summer, in the fall? And the rabbi is begging them, and he can see that they're not convinced, and they don't want to part with the money that it takes to build a school. The rabbi starts crying. Everybody feels a bit uncomfortable. Nobody likes crying rabbis, right? He said, everyone starts crying, right? I think that's why it says in the Gemara, uh, The point is, the, the, the idea was in that situation, the rabbi, they start feeling uncomfortable. So the guy says, listen, rabbi, we're talking to you logic, and you're responding to us with emotion. Give us a reason why... You know, you disagree with us. If it's not, you know, we're looking at it wrong and maybe we'll help out. Listen to what the rabbi says. The rabbi says, I'm not crying for you. I'm not crying for the school. He says, I'm crying for myself. He says, yeah, I thought I was going to get on a train. I thought I'm Moser Nefesh. I thought I'm sick and I'm traveling anyway. I get here and I was sure that you would listen to my words because I thought they were coming from the right place. I'm crying because after all of this journey and coming here and being ill and putting in that effort, look, what I'm seeing from Hashem is that my motivations are not 100% pure. And that I haven't rid my heart of all the ego and all the hubris that would be required for this to penetrate, uh, for this to penetrate your hearts. I found that fascinating. Because so often... You find communities and people say, oh look, you know, this rabbi, this community, they're so religious, they're so wonderful. This community, they're not doing anything. And I thought to myself, Shema Yisrael, maybe when a community is not excelling, it's not their fault, it's their rabbi's fault. Maybe if their rabbi had a little bit more Yirat Shamayim, when he said Halachot, the people would accept it. Maybe if the rabbi was a little bit, you know, um, less driven by ego or remote, whatever, or the feeling, etc., etc., or, or by uh, peer pressure. Maybe if it was more genuine, then the people would be, would be getting his message. So the Musar that I took for myself, and maybe the Musar that we could take for ourselves is, just like a rabbi has to ask this question, so too does a parent. If you're fighting with your kids about religion, if you're fighting with your kids about doing the right thing, and they can't hear you, Maybe what's required, Rabotai, is a little bit more Yirat Shamayim, a little bit more working on our own Midot, and then Devarav Nishmaim. And then all it takes is for you to read the Pasuk 
and they're ready even to convert, to do whatever it takes. May God bless us, Be'ezat Hashem, to refine our inner selves so that therefore our words and our morals and our lessons and our advice will be heard. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.